Welcome to Bayou Business Download, a podcast from the Greater Houston Partnership where we dive into the data and analytics influencing our region's economy. Today is Monday, November 7th. I'm your host, AJ Mistretta, and I'm joined again today by Partnership Senior Vice President of Research, Patrick Jankowski. In this episode, we're talking about the multifamily market. What does the landscape look like for apartments in Houston and how is it changing? Patrick, thanks for joining me today. AJ, it's always a pleasure. I'm always uh, fun to talk with you, and I'm glad that you give me the opportunity to share some insights with our listeners. That's what the, that's what we're here for, right? Um, yes. Patrick, can we can we start off by you providing us with a quick overview of Houston's apartment market as it stands today? Yes, uh, occupancy right now is at ninety point seven. Gosh, I know this is a podcast. So I wish I could hold some numbers up. Occupancy is above 90%. That's that's good uh, in the sense that when it's above 90%, it is considered to be a landlord's market. They have a little bit more control over the rents. Uh, but we are starting to see it slip a little bit. A, a year ago, it was pretty close to 92%. Uh, if you look at, we're, we're absorbing units in the overall market. Uh, absorption slipped a little bit in the last few months, but that's normal. When you enter the fall, people are, are have already signed their leases to get their kids in schools. And so we don't see quite as much leasing activity in, in September and October and November. It might pick up a little bit in December as people try to rush to get in their new apartment before Christmas. Well, probably the most important thing that our listeners want to hear is that rental rate increases. It seems like they've plateaued. The rents have actually slipped just marginally. So it uh, looks like we're either at a, a, a stable market or maybe a market that has turned just a little bit towards the renter's favor, but it's still mainly a landlord's market. Yeah, because we've seen a significant uh, run-up increase in prices, right? Oh, gosh, yeah. If, if you look at the Class A apartments, you know, the nicest, newest, most amenities. Uh, in, in November, of uh, two years ago in November, they, the average rent was about $1,400. Now the average rent is, is close to $1,700, $1,800. So we've definitely seen a run up in rent over the last two years. All right. So how does the picture that you've painted for Houston compare with other Texas markets? Well, all the markets across Texas are doing real well, and that's because Texas economy is doing well. We're still creating lots of jobs. You know, you do have to have a job to, to rent an apartment. And also we're having people move here and people move here. They uh, tend to move into an apartment first before they buy a house so they can kind of get a little of the landscape. But if, if you look at it, occupancy is up in Dallas, occupancy is up in San Antonio and in Austin. I want to let you know of the four major metro areas, uh, Austin, Dallas, San Antonio and Houston. Uh, Houston's rents are actually fairly reasonable compared to some place like like Dallas. You know, the average rent, and this is rent across all property types, is about mm. twelve fifty in Houston. In Dallas, it's fifteen hundred. I mean, in Austin, it's sixteen hundred. So we're still. Uh, it may seem expensive for a renter here in Houston, but it's still more affordable compared to the other major metros in Texas. Yeah, we've all heard uh, some of the stories about rental rates and home prices and as well in the Austin market, which have just really gone up in the last few years. Yeah, you know, AJ, I graduated from University of Texas at Austin. I, I went to school there. Uh, I won't tell you when, but I'll let you know that uh, <laughs> my apartment that I rented when I was in college, I paid $180 a month rent for it. Yeah, I hate to say it. I think it's probably uh 10, 12, 15 times that. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm, sure, I'm sure the apartment that I lived in then has probably been torn down and they've they put some sort of high rise on it. <laughs> All right. Well, you, you've painted a really uh, robust picture. I feel like you might be leaving something out, though. 
Yeah, there, there, there's a joke among economists uh, about that. You hear this? You know, did you hear the story about the the guy who drowned in a river that was uh, average depth was was twelve inches? Well, the problem is, is averages. It's the same sort of thing. And average, you've got the high end and the low end. What you really want to do is look at the the market as far as types of apartments and submarkets. Now, there is something. There's a class A, B, C, and D apartment, and there are also uh, over three thousand property types in Houston, and there are over 42 different sub-markets. And so you can't really make an overall statement about the market. But let me let me talk to you about Class A. The Class A market right now is actually doing very well. That is the strongest of the markets. We're seeing very strong positive absorption. Over 13,000 units have been absorbed over the last 12 months. Uh, like I said, it's tapered off a little bit, but it's still doing well. And it's doing well because you've got, uh, when someone gets a job offer and comes to Houston, they tend to set up in one of the class A apartments or the, the firm will get them set up in a class A apartments while they get settled. Mm. Uh, you're, but you're also seeing a kind of a negative effect of people who wanted to buy a nice single family home, can't afford to buy a home. So they're deciding to be a renter for longer. And what yeah. they would have put into that house note, they're making sure they get a really nice apartment. So, so class A is doing well, but, but even within class A, there are some distinctions. Uh, class A, there's something known as a, a stable Class A and something as a lease Class A. Uh, stable Class A is an apartment that's been around for uh, uh, over a year. Lease up is something which has just come on the market and has been leasing for less than a year. Uh, stable Class A, uh, it, it, the rents are really high and the occupancy is really high. We're looking at 92.6%, almost 93% for stable Class A, only 43% for the lease up. But that's that's kind of normal in lease up. But uh, the stuff that's coming into the market tends to be much higher price. The stuff that's coming to market is, is leasing for close to $1,900 a month. Now, I, I say that, let, let me talk about B, C, and D. B, C, and D tend to be, uh, very few B, C, and D apartments are built. Well, no one ever builds a C or D. What happens, you build an A, and over, over time, an A kind of degrades to a B, and then over time, a B degrades to a C, and a C degrades to a D. Makes sense. But, yeah, but in the B, C, and D, we're seeing negative absorption. By negative absorption, more people are moving out than moving in. Uh, over the last 12 months, we've, we've seen negative absorption of almost 5,000 units in, B, in the B class, over 1,200 in, in the C class, uh, only about 200 in the D class. But we're starting to see uh, those sector, segments of the apartment market having some struggles. And, and there's a couple of reasons why. Uh, the B, C, and D, as you would expect, the rents are, are much lower. A class B, the average rent's about 1,200. Class C, the average rent's about a thousand, and so they tend to lease to people who have less income, people who are in the lower wage scale. And so, what we're seeing happening with the B, C, and D, especially with the C and D, is you know the eviction moratorium has been lifted. So people who had stayed in those units longer than they probably should have have been evicted. Also, uh, the pandemic funds which Congress had provided during the worst part of the pandemic have been exhausted, so they don't have the wherewithal to pay their rent anymore. And also the special unemployment benefits, which people who have been laid off during the pandemic have expired. And so all those are, are, are impacting people who would be normally renters of B, C, and D. And that's one of the reasons why we're seeing the negative absorption and the occupancy start to slip in those, those areas. All right. And then, you know, you mentioned the lease up situation, I, you know, a lot of times in lease ups when a developer or an owner is trying to fill up an apartment that's just been recently constructed, you know, they'll offer a lot of concessions uh, to to get that full. Is that happening still? Yes, we're, we are seeing concessions, but we're not seeing them at the same level. Uh, in the coming right out of the pandemic, we saw uh, 
roughly 60% of all the units apartments in the region had some sort of concession. Concession should be an upgrade on a floor plan or waiving a deposit, some free rent, uh, gift cards or something. Now, uh, only about 29% of all units out there has some sort of concession on it. And as you go down from A to B to C to D, the lower you get in the uh, quality of the unit, the, the fewer concessions are out there. But we are definitely seeing a downturn in the number of concessions. And that's it's normal. A concession, it's kind of like that coupon that you get in the mail. And you're going to use that coupon. It kind of helps the restaurant get business in the door. The same thing with a concession. You offer some sort of concession to try to get the prospective tenant in the door. Yeah. Look, look around town. I remember driving around town. And I used to see all these signs hanging from apartments saying free rent, free pet, de- uh, no pet deposit, free this, free that. I don't see those signs anymore. That's a sign. That's an indication of just how tight the market is. Yeah. So Patrick, Talk to me a little bit more about the actual submarkets. You know, we have the CBD, we have areas inside the loop, we have areas uh, certainly outside the loop that uh, are also heavy with apartments. What do the submarkets look like? You know, it's a little ironic or a little, uh, I wouldn't say ironic. It's, I had, had to think about this a while. And, and if you look at the submarkets that have the highest growth in occupancy, they're in some of the, the class B, C, and D markets. I mean, the three, three hottest submarkets right now for leasing are the Alameda, South Main, the, the Sharp Sound Westwood, and the Greenspoint Aldine area. And those, hmm. are, those are primarily B, C, and D properties. And so one of the things that's telling me is that, that, that individuals are having to move to lower rents, more affordable rents than they have in the past because of the, because of the pressure of inflation, because of the lack of the income. Uh, so some people have had to, to 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 just find some other alternative. I mean, the the average Class B rent across Houston is around twelve fifty, thirteen hundred, uh, and in in Sharp Sound and A Leaf, it's around eleven hundred, a thousand one hundred seventy dollars. Class C, the average rent is about a thousand dollars across the market, and Sharp Sound A Leaf, it's about nine hundred and forty. And so, so what you're seeing is the hottest submarkets right now, the ones that have the greatest growth in occupancy are those that have some of the lowest rents. And that's kind of a sign of just some of the pressures that the, the lower income households are underneath right now, financially. All right. Before we continue, Patrick, I do want to take a moment to say thank you to our Buy You Business Download sponsor, Fifth Third Bank, for helping make today's podcast possible. Learn more about Fifth Third Bank and the services they provide at 53.com. That's the numbers five, three.com. It's kind of interesting. We talk about the different classes, A and B, C and D, and we talk about the different markets. But as I said, a classy apartment in Sharpstown or or A-Leaf will rent for roughly what, $900, $950. It's interesting. A class A apartment downtown is going to cost you $2,200 or a class A apartment of the Heights is $1,900. That's the reason why I kind of talked about that. It's difficult when you try to talk about averages because there's such a wide range out there. Right. Uh, it does go kind of get, illustrate though just all the options which are available in Houston. I mean, most people don't realize that there are over seven hundred thousand apartment units in Houston, and that's spread out over three thousand properties. And that's Class A through Class B. That's submarkets from A Leaf to Willowbrook, Conroe to Galveston, downtown to Tomball. So there are a lot of options out there. So uh, in, in that sense. Uh, it's healthy for, for Houston because uh, wherever you are in your pay scale or in your earning potential, there should be a housing option for you. Right. That's my next question, too, is, you know, what does this tell us about our overall economy in Houston generally? 
Well, well, let's step back and, and not talk about uh, rents and occupancy and absorption, but let's just talk about in, in the broad sense, if we're seeing such strong absorption in the class A, like I said, over 13,000 class A units have been absorbed uh, last 12 months. Tell us about the upper end of the earning segment, the, the upper quartile or quintile, whatever it is, is actually doing fairly well. They, they're, they're not having a problem paying those upper rents and they're even upgrading. Part of that is, as I alluded to earlier, that they have been priced out of the single family housing market, but it kind of tells me that there's still a, a large segment of the population that's doing well enough to be able to pay $2,000 a month for an apartment, which uh, in, in some places would, would, would buy you a nice house. So yeah. Uh, on the other hand, it does say that the lower income earning segments of Houston's economy are, are struggling. You can see that in the declining occupancy, you're probably seeing them double up. You're seeing them moving in with family members. Unfortunately, you may see some of these people who've been evict evicted from their class B, C, or D units on the street. So it's kind of the tale of what happens in a high inflationary economy uh, is that it tends to hurt the lower income levels more than it hurts the upper income levels. You know, class A absorption will be strong. I don't see it uh, letting up next year. I mean, it, it'll remain strong as long as we have job growth. And I, I expect that we're going to have, well, I'll let you guys know, I, I, I put my forecast to bed. I can't tell you what the number will be, but we are going to have job growth next year. I'm not going to tell you how much, <laughs> uh, but you know, we have, we've, we've built 12,000 apartment units this year. We have another 17,000 under construction. Uh, if we have the same level of job growth or even a weakening of job growth, we should still see some strong absorption in class A next year. It's B, C, and D that we're not going to see the absorption in. Yeah. And I can attest, I mean, I think many of us who are driving around town, uh, we're seeing a lot of construction of multifamily uh, happening right now. And it does seem, Patrick, and I want to get your perspective on this, it does seem like we're becoming a more dense environment especially in the in the uh inner loop bigger projects bigger multifamily projects some that are mixed use with with ground floor retail and so forth that's becoming more of a thing uh what are, what are you seeing a couple of things are driving that for, for one thing no one wants to commute uh that's been an issue for a while but but now they don't have to commute because they can work from home at least part of the time and if people are working from home they're going to want to have nicer surroundings that's one of the things that drove the single family housing boom, it's also influencing the, the multifamily boom or the apartment boom is because people want to live in a nice apartment. I know several people who are leasing two bedroom apartments and it's not that the second bedroom isn't for a roommate, the second bedroom is for their office. Right. And, and so we will continue to see, especially uh, closer to some of the prime amenities like the museum and Memorial Park and, and, and the inner loop. But one other thing we need to step back and look at even in broader sense, the fact that we're gonna continue to build apartments it bodes well for those in the construction industry. You know, we're going to see a slowdown in single-family construction, but we're not going to see that in multifamily. And so that'll kind of what somewhat offset what we might see in single-family. In broad philosophical terms, we always want to be building some level of apartments because, as I talked about earlier, Class A eventually becomes Class B, B becomes C, C becomes D, and D rolls off. D gets, gets scraped or, or bulldozed. And so you always want to be refreshing your inventory to, to make sure that you always have uh, one ample housing and the other is to make sure that you're always adding new and fresh stock into your inventory. Awesome. Patrick, I uh, really appreciate that perspective. And you have an event coming up. Uh, you mentioned your forecast a minute ago. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about it? Yeah, yeah. Everybody, it'd be great to see you guys at, at Hotel Sinesto on December 8th. 
Uh, that's when I've just finished. I finished doing the analytics on my forecast. I'm starting to work on my slides. On December 8th, I'll present the forecast for Houston's economy for 2023. It's going to be an event where we're going to have a panel at lunchtime with, with business leaders talking about what they see in their aspects in the industry. And then I'll get up there and I'll, I'll provide the job numbers, which I expect to be created. You know, just what we expect, whether Houston's going to have a recession next year or not. Uh, that, that's December 8th at the Hotel Sinesa. You can find out about it. Go to the website, go to the events page of the partnership, and you can sign up for it. Yes, Houston.org. And you'll find uh, several of our events uh, taking us to the end of the year, including Patrick's uh, forecast. Patrick, thanks for uh, this conversation today. Hey, Jay, it's always a pleasure. And once again, those who regularly listen to the podcast, I hope I'm giving you some insights you can use in your business. Awesome. And that's going to do it for this episode of Bayou Business Download. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can do so via your favorite podcasting platform or by visiting the podcast page at houston.org. There you'll also find links to recent data and news updates, and you can learn how you can get more involved in the work of the partnership to make a difference in Houston. Special thanks again to our sponsor, Fifth Third Bank, for helping make this podcast possible. And thanks again to you for listening to Bayou Business Download. 